it's good to be here. Pastor Avery is preaching over at North Klein, and uh, Stephen Morris was supposed to be here today, but I got called late Thursday night, said he won't be here because he's got COVID, and so here you have me today. But, you know, I'm done with COVID. I've had COVID, and I've had my shots. I'm over COVID. I'm ready to move on, and I hope you all are too. I just want to give a great hand. I know they're kind of back there, but to our praise team, aren't they just great? And to our band, they just do a wonderful job. Well, as you can see from the video there, we're going to be talking about stories of the Old Testament. And uh, yeah, yeah, I love that. And uh, we're going to talk about a familiar one today about David and Goliath. But let me ask you this question. How old was David when, when Samuel told Saul, who was the king then, that he was looking for a man after God's own heart? God was. Yeah, about 14. He was a young man. See, we came, seem to think that, you know, we got to be old and wise, that God then seeks us. No, he seeks us. When we're young. And so I'm going to give an unashamed plug here for Vacation Bible School that's coming up. And if you're not working in it, you need to do that because we have more salvations that occur in Vacation Bible School than any other time. And God's seeking those young people to follow after him just like he sought David. And to be a man after God's own heart. You know, when you look at the secret of what really gave David, even though he was a flawed man, he was not perfect, you know all the sins that he had done, but he still loved the Lord and he asked for forgiveness. And I'm so glad that we worship a God that when we do wrong, we can ask for forgiveness and he forgives us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness when we allow that to happen in our lives. And so David was a man that his secret was that he would be in God's will and that he would give God the glory of everything he does. You know, we begin this story and we see that the Philistine army was on one side and God's army of Israel was on the other side. And in between was this valley, which was Eli. And so there was where Goliath stood. And he was described as nine feet, nine inches tall. You know, that's pretty tall. And he was carrying armor of over 125 pounds and a spear that weighed 15. You know, I've been working in my yard here the last few days, and I can hardly pick up these bags of, of potting saw, these big, huge bags, and I think of carrying a 15-pound spear and 125 pounds of armor. That's just unbelievable. And so here he had carried it, and, and uh, David at this time, David was a young lad, and he was attending the sheep back home, but they sent him to the front lines to help feed the three sons, Jesse's three sons that were fighting in the battle. 
And so back then, they didn't have supply chains that fed the army. They had to depend upon the people, their relatives or the people that they were there with, to feed them and take care of them. They didn't have, you know, the all the conveniences that an army may have. Now, if you've been in the army, you probably say they weren't very good conveniences, but you got fed anyway, and you didn't have to worry if somebody was going to come take care of you or not. And so here's this giant. He had been down in that valley taunting the army of the living God. And so Jesse, David's father, had sent him on the right day, you might say, the last day of all this taunting, to go and give supplies to help his brothers. And so Goliath was there. And let me just start here in verse 8. And here's what Goliath did. And we're going to look at 1 Samuel 17, 8 through 10. And he stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? That's their king. Choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. Notice that. They'll be his, the, the Jewish servants. But if I prevail, this is Goliath, against him and and, and kill him, then you will be our servants and you're going to serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. He's challenging them. Who is there to help the Israels? Their army. You know, they were all afraid. It said that when he even came out into the valley, the men of the Israeli army or the Jewish army, they just kind of fled. I mean, they were scared to death. Even Saul, if you remember, he was the tallest man amongst them. And even he was frightened. And Saul offered them this. He said, anybody that would come and face this Goliath, I'm going to give them my daughter, I hope she was nice looking, by the way, you know, and great riches. And he would take his father's house off the tax roll. I'd appreciate that a lot if I got my house taken off the tax rolls. And Saul hoped that someone, someone would step up and offer to try to defeat this Goliath. And so David is going to respond and in a very... He's just beside himself at how arrogant that Goliath is. And he says uh, in verse 26, And David said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Think about that a moment. David thought that anybody who had faith and the Jehovah God could defeat this Goliath. But they let their fears come about. See, David saw just these men fleeting. And this brings me to my first point. 
God brings us to challenges in our lives, and we have a choice to make. It reminds me of uh, Joshua when he was taking the people into Cana, and he said, as for me and my household, we are going to serve the Lord. And we have a choice every day when we get up. Are we going to serve self? Are we going to do something that honors God? Are we going to try to accumulate everything that we can for ourselves? Are we going to honor God with our service and with our talents and with our treasures? We have to make that choice every day. And many of us make a choice that's all for self, you know. But God has a way with dealing with us when we're open to Him. I want to tell you a, a quick little story. Oh, a few weeks back, Leonard and I, we met for prayer in the chapel over there that morning. And Leonard made a great prayer. He prayed that God would just send us someone that we might either witness to or talk to or whatever, that God would just send us someone in our path. And I believe God does that all the time. Well, it wasn't an hour later, I'm in my office, and they bring this man to me that says he needs prayer. And so, I'm thinking, oh, that's pretty quick, Lord's answering this prayer pretty quick, you know. I hate to sound, you know, irreverent there, but, but you know, <clears throat> so we prayed. And this guy prayed a lovely, beautiful prayer. And I, I was just astounded, to be honest with you. And when he left there, it dawned on me. God didn't send him for me to pray for him. But God sent him to me to pray for me and to bless me. You know, we're always thinking that God puts people in our paths to, that we're to help and to bless, but God also puts people in your paths that you might get a blessing if you just take the time to be with them. Now, here we see that God, you know, continued David, uh, eldest brother, Eloha became angry with David when he heard that David had come to find out what's going on. And here's what he said in verse 28. And now Elaha, his oldest brother, heard that when he spoke to these men, and Elaha's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left these sheep in the wilderness? Now, I think that's kind of funny because, you know, if this army gets wiped out, these sheep aren't going to matter. You know, they're, you know, they're not going to be theirs anyway. And so, you know, he's worried about these sheep. And, and what's David doing here? And he says, I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? I mean, I can imagine, he's the youngest of all these brothers, and he gets, you know, the short end of the stick all the time, and they're just like, this young guy, you know, this nice, good-looking kid's getting away with everything. Here he's coming lollygagging and not taking care of the sheep. And uh, he says, what have I done? And it uh, was it but not a word. And he turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way, and the people answered him as before. Everywhere that David went, it's like, what are you doing here? You young kid, get back to work. 
You know, and so this is my second point. It's whenever you step out by faith to fight the enemy, there's always someone around to discourage you. And often it begins in your own house. Now, you remember Jesus told us in Matthew 10, 24, that a person's enemies would be within their own house at times. You know, it's all, it was true in David's life. And he was serving the living God, Jehovah. And people were turning against him. It was true in Joseph's life. Remember that his brothers despised him and sold him into slavery. And Moses was criticized by his own brothers and sisters. And our Lord's earthly family, even at one time, didn't even support him in his ministry and misunderstood him. But David didn't allow his brother's harsh words, you might say, to disencourage him. He knew that God was going to be with him to fight this giant. And King Saul, King Saul wasn't any better. Look what he said in verse 33. And Saul said to David, are you not able, you are not able to go up against the Philistines to fight with him. For you are but a youth and he has been a man of war from his youth. You know, Saul here was just echoing what the spies that went into Canaan and came back and say, there's giants there and we can't defeat them, but only Joshua and Caleb didn't. And then what happened? They had to wander in the desert for 40 more years before they took the land. See, Saul, David, had experienced the power of, his, of God in his own life. While he was caring for his sheep, he had defended them against a lion. He had defended them against a bear. And he knew that the Lord could deliver him against Goliath. You know, he looked at it as though Goliath was just another animal coming after the sheep. And in this case, the army of the Lord. See, Saul didn't know anything about this wonderful God that could be with him and could deliver him. He had faith only in what he knew. He had faith in putting on all this armor on, on David and giving him his spear. And here's this young man. He probably looked just absolutely ridiculous in all of that armor. And David knew better. He didn't take that armor. And here's point three. And that is when we walk by sight, we calculate everything from a human perspective. And it always leads to disencouragement. But when we walk by faith, God comes into the equation and that changes the results. And we need to remember that we walk by faith. And in fact, if you look at 1 Samuel 36, it was that David had encouraged himself in the Lord. And that was one of his secrets. He spent time with the Lord. He knew him as a living God, not some dead idol. But in spite of the criticism and in spite of the discouraging counsel that he got from everybody... And despite of all the circumstances that looked 
like he was going to get defeated and couldn't handle it. David trusted the Lord and the Lord rewarded his faith. And this is my fourth point. People of faith obey God no matter what the experts say. And when you look at it, here David is going up against Goliath with a sling. It's almost a child's toy, you might say. And here Goliath saw this young lad coming and he literally laughed at him, ridiculed him. And in fact, in verse 42, it says, And when the Philistine looked over and saw David, he was disdained, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. You know, I don't know about you. I would have been pretty scared if I had been David standing up against that Goliath. But it tells me that David had tremendous faith and belief and God, that God could deliver him regardless of the circumstances. And this brings me to my fifth point. And the Lord doesn't need swords and spears, but he can deliver his people in his own way through the humblest of means. See, what we don't what we think about in our mind is I need this for so something can happen. No, the God just needs you to be willing. And I tell people, God doesn't necessarily call the equipped. But he equips the call. When he calls you to do something, you better be ready. Because he is going to give you the strength and the will and the presence of mind. And his help behind him to get it done. And we need to remember that. See, David wanted the whole assembly of Israel and the, the Philistines to know that the Lord didn't need these spears and these swords. You know, it's kind of unfortunate in one thing that this story is primarily considered a kid's story. But it's more than that. You know, people make a lot of allegories about defeating your giants. And I'm sort of doing that a little bit here. But here's the thing. Here's the basic interpretation. I think that what David did and what we need to remember. It's all about giving God the glory. That's what this story is about. It's not about that he, yeah, he defeated this giant. And he did the impossible, but he did it all for God's glory. And here's the question that we have every day. It's when I said, you wake up and make that challenge. And, and what are you doing? Is it your will that you're following or is it God's will? Is it your desires or is it God's desires? Is it your faith in him that you're doing things to give him the glory? And that's what we need to recognize. See, all the glory he was bringing to God. This insurmountable defeat of Goliath was all to show that his God is in control. 
verse 46 says, This day, and this is how David responded to Goliath. He said, This day that the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. I will give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. And all the earth, you are to underline, may know that there is a God in Israel. That's what he's doing it for. And that all the assembly may know that God saves not with a sword or a spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give it unto your hands. Every day your battle is with the Lord. And every day we need to give it into our, to his hands. And every day we need to humble ourselves before him. And if we want great power in our life, not for us but to give glory to God, it will happen. If you put him first in your life and give him the glory for everything that happens. See, my point here is that God wants us to, God wants to use his people to magnify his name to all the nations of the earth. That's what we're here for. We're not here for entertainment. We're here to gather up the saints, rejuvenate us, that we might leave this place and proclaim the living God to people around us and say we don't may not understand it all but God does and he's in control and we're going to give him glory and that's what we're here for you know this is the same purpose that Abraham was called out and the Israelites were called out what he told them that they were going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky and they were to bring glory and honor to him and his name. You know, and it's the same God that opened up the Red Sea that might, they might depart and escape. And it's the same God that really opened up the Jordan that they might go into Cana. And it's the same God that was, even with them in building the temple in Jerusalem, that it might be a witness to the Gentiles that here this living God was going to reside right there. So, you know what was done here at, the, at, at that day has now been told all through the centuries. And it's being told to you right here on June the 13th, 2021. That we have a God that can accomplish anything if we bring honor and glory to him and him alone. You know, God guided that stone, that one stone, and sunk right in his forehead and Goliath fell on his face. And David took Goliath's sword and he cut off his neck, his head, excuse me. And that was an act not just to guarantee that he was dead, but it was to humiliate the Philistines. And they ran in crises. My point number seven is the Spirit of God lives in us and can enable you to win your battles. And the Lord can be trusted to give you the victory if you seek only his glory. That's kind of where we go wrong. We seek it for ourselves. Even we need to seek it for him. You know, even David displayed these marks of a great leader in his life. 
he was willing to take the risk here. He was willing to open the way to share the victory for others. And see, that's what we should be doing. We should be willing to open the way to share the victory that we have in Christ with others. And the people, as when Goliath fell, the people fled and they chased them. They didn't keep their word and become the servants of the Jewish people. No, they fled in fear and God slayed them as they went. And you know, it can be said that there are people who make things happen. There are people who watch things happen. And there are people who just don't have a clue of what's going on, you know. And so, David had the insight to know what was happening. And he realized that this wasn't a battle against physical human beings it was a spiritual battle it was a battle against truth and error it was a battle against faith and superstition and it was a battle to either turn to the living God or not that's what it was all about and our battle isn't against our battle is against the devil and his army and our human weapons are useless in that conflict and here's my last point Faith in God makes us participants with the Lord in his battle for truth. And in 1 John 5, 4 says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that we have to overcome the world, which is our faith. How did people get saved in the Old Testament? It was by faith. How do the people today get saved? It is by faith. And that's the faith that we've got to have to overcome the world. You know, it tells us, God tells us, that the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. And that comes through faith. And he tells us that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. You know, if you want to get saved, you just need to admit that you're a sinner and trust God through faith. And it tells us that if we confess our, with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the gospel. That's the faith that we all need to overcome the world. I'm going to ask you if you'll just stand and I'm going to ask Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforce.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus in person on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.